0: We have an announcement. XY Advisor is raising cash in an equity crowdfund held by Birchall. Um, So you can find it at birchall.com forward slash company forward slash XY Advisor. If you'd like to own a piece of the social network moving forward, uh, it'd be great to have you as an investor. All right, on to the podcast. Welcome to the XY Advisor podcast. To join a global community of financial advisors sharing and learning with one another to drive the positive evolution of financial advice, head to xyadvisor.com. G'day, how's it going? What do you know? Strike like Clayton here from XY Advisor uh, with Katrina. Thanks so much for coming on.
1: Oh, thanks for having me,
0: Clayton. Yeah, I, um, I saw a lot of success come out of that 30-day challenge that Adele Martin was running on XY, and uh, I saw one a, a comment from you, and it was along the lines of, you know, I haven't done a lot of social media posting in the past, and I, I felt a little bit out of debt, out of my comfort zone, so to speak, with doing this, but uh, I found it's been really worthwhile. And I thought that was such a cool sort of insight into what Adele had done with this 30-day challenge. And um, I wanted to take the chance just to, because a lot of people are in your position, right? Like even I work for XY, which is a a social media company itself, but I completely understand the concept that it's somewhat daunting to publicly put yourself out there, right? And yet-
1: Definitely it was. I think that was the biggest challenge for me initially was to um, understand that there was a forum there that I could do that in, but I was fearful if I had anything interesting to say that people wanted to hear, but also of saying the wrong thing. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I do like to challenge myself and decided with Adele's guidance and the support of the other advisors, I would give it a go
0: that's awesome and so just high level um, I guess first and foremost how did you feel about you know the very first day compared to how you felt say on day 30 I'm interested in that journey
1: yeah that's funny because on the first day I read the first challenge I think I broke out into a cold sweat and thought no I can't do this (laughs) (laughs) and just the practical parts because I really hadn't used social media before only maybe my personal Facebook page how was I going to get a photo behind this and how was I going to actually post it so it took me hours (laughs) on that first day to do it and I put it on my personal Facebook page because I am an employee I don't have my own business but soon realised that only my friends were going to see that and they already knew me. <laughs> <laughs> so jumped over to LinkedIn. I did have a profile there, but it was empty. I had one connection who was my best friend and I followed maybe half a dozen people.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: So, yeah, and compared to the last day, I mean, a lot happened in the middle, but on the last day I posted my three favourite podcasts, listed them. Obviously, XY was part of that. Woo! Yep. But uh, I, and a shout out to Emily Blanche, she, in her comments, had tagged the people I had mentioned because I didn't know how to do that. And it became apparent that the etiquette on LinkedIn is to thank someone when they mention them. So once those people commented on my post... I saw that explode so their connections and followers saw that post and that was quite a thrill.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, that is that's really cool. So um so you went from breaking out into a sweat to sort of getting to a point where you understand the I would say a level of intricacy of how, of the type of behavior on yeah. LinkedIn for example. I mean that's a, that's a huge learning curve.
1: Yeah, it definitely was a huge learning curve and I was really Something that I didn't expect was because I, rely, I love face-to-face meetings and I rely heavily on that non-verbal communication cue. So when it came to social media, I was a bit nervous of how you would that one-sided conversation. But I, I discovered that you can inject personality and you can have meaningful interactions, which was very cool to realize. And I have continued on and posted once a week and still gaining great views. So it was a big learning curve for me that first day of tackling those things and spending hours drafting and trying to make it perfect to the last day, which was probably the most successful post. And I did that in maybe 20 minutes.
0: <laughs> That's so, I mean, that it's a great story to hear because I think personal professional services, personal financial advice being, uh, you know, a very important, um, service. I think in a lot of ways, it's how people want to pick their professional service provider is by getting to know them and understand them and engaging with them. And even if it's just passively watching it for a little bit of time before they engage in a, in a in a relationship. Like, so right now, let's say if I'm looking for a lawyer, you know, what are my options, right? Like how do I, what do I go to Google? Do I go to yellow pages or, you know, ideally if I'm looking for a professional service, there's someone on my LinkedIn who's creating content regularly that I can engage with and and that I can get to know. I mean, it's just, mm. it's, it's how I want to purchase something. And it's mm. definitely, it's it's sort of this weird, it's, it's how the world now likes to purchase, specifically uh, professional services. Not so much, say, tech. Tech doesn't have yeah. a personality. Tech has a brand awareness piece. But uh, I think when it comes to professional service, which does rely so heavily on the individual, yeah, it's really important to get your yeah. personality that,
1: across. That was actually a, a really... Insight for me because I, like I said, I I noticed that the posts that were gaining the most traction were those authentic stories, and that's something I had shied away from on you know that social media. But that did mirror my everyday meetings and attracted clients that I would normally attract, so in a completely different channel, yeah. Yeah, so it, it it did allow people to, I guess, build up a, a bit of a relationship and some trust and get a feel for who I was before that more face to face talk. Yeah, that's
0: that's awesome. I mean, then that is a perfect use case for how an advisor should use LinkedIn. Um, you mentioned briefly, you said that a lot happened in between the first post and the last post. I'm interested. What happened? Uh,
1: What happened? Uh, Well, with Adele's guidance, I did put on one one post on there that was probably quite a personal question that um, I was thinking it was more of a statement, but Adele guided me and that's probably not appropriate and you may not get the engagement, which I didn't.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> and there was things like polls and um, questions and along the way being able to see what type of posts did well, or actually what days when you posted did well mm-hmm. and the people that were looking at it. And and from where they were from, like all over the globe. So and I had some really interesting chats with people from South Africa and um, America, and so yeah, there was it was a steep learning curve, but yeah, well worth it.
0: Wow, that's super interesting. When you say you had some interesting chats, do you mean on LinkedIn, or, or did those conversations go off LinkedIn, or
1: uh, my, on LinkedIn? Yes, yeah. so they stayed on LinkedIn, but these were people that felt the same, had the same problems and questions and provide a space to share some of that chat off Like it was more direct messaging then, but uh, yeah, learned a lot and made some new friends. <laughs>
0: uh, that's cool. And so um, just on a most basic uh, basic level, do you see this being something that you will incorporate into your, um, prof- you know, your advice process moving forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I think for me personally, uh, like outside of my employer, I my mission is around financial literacy and educating the vulnerable. And it's provided a space that I'm now considering um, launching something because I've, I've proven to myself that the reach is wider, and you can get that message about what financial planning is and how we can help and educate people who may not. able to access trusted information elsewhere. So yes, I I will definitely continue using social media and probably in more ways than I ever have before. As all things for me, it's a bit of trial and error. Learn as we go. (laughs) So
0: yeah,
1: I I do intend to continue using it. Yeah.
0: That's fantastic. Um, When you spoke about financial literacy, that's a, that's a big part of your, you know, every advisor is different, but you see um, financial literacy as being a key or cornerstone part of your advice offering. Talk to us about that.
1: Yeah, I definitely do. I, I like many fell into financial planning. Really. I literally read a job advert (laughs) and said, you know, it was a client services officer role and thought, Oh, that's something I would like. And, I mean, who knew financial planning was a thing, let alone a career? Yeah. And so at the ripe old age of 32, you know, I found, discovered what I wanted to be when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's I, if I had have had some of that knowledge, I think it would have saved me a lot of pain through my life. I've had, you know, some low points in my life where any of that information would have been really valuable. So for me, it was like the lights came on and I wanted to bring everyone with me, make sure no one else had to suffer through that, that they knew where to get that help from. And so, yeah, that is a big part of my offer, I guess you would call it, but it's, it's a passion outside of work as well.
0: Interesting. Interesting. Um, Do you mean, do you mean uh, that you do pro bono work or or what does it mean? What do you mean when you say it's a passion outside of work?
1: Oh, it's, it's what I talk about constantly (laughs) to everybody. I don't do pro bono work, but it's certainly something I am interested in. And I do see some clients more. I don't like to turn people away based on price
0: shall we put it that way <laughs> yeah no i know what you mean there's this there's a weird sort of uh i think because financial planners are good with numbers and good with people and mm. that, that empathy is something that i've found to be generally unanimous amongst okay. advisors we're, we're sort of more empathetic people just with a with a skill set that's able to sort of help organize people's, you know, monetary yeah. uh, part of their life, which obviously then uh, affects huge other parts of their life. Um, yeah. How long, well, actually the first question is, uh, how long have you been an advisor for now?
1: Mm. Mm. Well, it's coming on 15 years now. So when I, like I said, I first started in a client services role and immediately enrolled in the Diploma of Financial Planning. Um, managed to be the ducks of that. <laughs>
0: hey.
1: Yeah. Then did the advanced diploma and moved into a power planning role. Then uh, we, at my firm, transitioned to being self-licensed, and we had a lot of self-managed super fund clients. So I did a share deployment, share trading, and investment. Did a self-managed super fund specialisation. And then my my mentor, my senior advisor, decided to relocate and move away and my employer sort of turned to me and went, well, you're up, <laughs> you're on. <laughs> and I, di- I didn't think I was ready, but, uh, you know, you get that whole imposter syndrome, I'm not ready for this, I don't want to do it. But um, look, it was a wonderful experience. And I was only a few meetings in and I realised that this was the human part of the plan and mm to be able to um, get to know people and their real stories and share their hopes and their dreams and um, be in that privileged position really to where the person you turn to for their advice. So I found my forever home. This was the job I wanted to do and continued to study. I've always studied. I like to learn and it helps me know that I'm doing the best job I can do. Happy to say I finished my master's last year. Hey, congrats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's been a long 15-year journey, but uh, very rewarding. I've, I've seen helped people accumulate wealth uh, around their own small business, move into retirement, fund that lifestyle they want. So it's, it's, it's wonderful. I love it.
0: Yeah. The way that you talk about it just resonates so much with me. I, financial planning as a career path, for whatever reason, it's just not, it's not that well-known, mm. which always blows my mind. Right. And, mm. and it's always very interesting to hear about how people discovered financial planning. I discovered financial planning uh, being a tax accountant and working mm. in the same office as a guy that was a, like a risk specialist yeah. And, um, and then my, my tax accountant boss also had like a handful of financial planning clients. And so he, he had exposure to it, but not a lot. And then I, I, I used to live, it was kind of funny, we used to walk home from work together with this risk, risk specialist. And at the time, I was like, you know, 25 years old or something. And I and I was living in this little uh this little apartment near the near the hotel, right? And he he had he was living in this penthouse penthouse suite overlooking the beach, you know. So I'd <laughs> drop him off at his house and have to spend sort of the next sort of 10 minutes continuing to mine. Um but it, and he used to talk to me a lot about uh about what financial services was and how it all worked, and uh it was kind of interesting that it took that exposure to figure out where I wanted to be. And then it still took me a few years actually to actually become a full fledged financial plan planner after that had to go through the power planning route and Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And it is difficult to get to, um, but it is very interesting uh, to hear how everyone's got their own story of how that, how that's occurred when with your clients, and your and uh, focus on financial literacy, obviously, you, you, you mentioned you like to study, but you also like to teach. And so what, what percentage of your, let's say, annual review, um, and, and when I say annual review, I'm not necessarily talking about that singular meeting, but let's say over the course of the 12 months, what percentage are you working on your client's education, on their literacy
1: Mm. Look, I would say a large percentage, a huge amount, because I work a lot with self-managed super fund trustees. So, and, you know, varying levels of sophistication. But a big part of my role is making the complex simple and helping them understand and make decisions, uh, building investment strategies and constructing portfolios, all those things that we do as planners. Uh, takes a huge amount of education and literacy but on the flip side on my clients that aren't trustees of self-managed super funds I see a lot of clients that are just moving into uh, pension phase just those practical questions of well I'm not going to get an annual you know a weekly pay where's the money going to come from how do I turn this into a pension you know what's What's an account-based pension? Just those simple things that maybe when you've been doing it a long time, you take for granted. Uh, So I enjoy helping people understand all those things to make those decisions. And I would, I would estimate it's at least half of my time.
0: Wow. That's, that's impressive. I was, I was watching a piece of technology this morning this whole concept of scaling advice is a topic that I'm always in two minds about Um, because the more I talk to advisors um, which is, as you'd imagine quite frequently, uh, the more I talk to advisors, the more I'm seeing each advisor like yourself, always learning, always growing, always wanting to improve sort of, you know, having a look at the entire process of end, you know, the first time a, a client learns about you all the way through to you know helping them 15 years later mm. start their account-based pension, right? Like there, there's so much that goes on in that huge journey that you never get to a point where you're entirely satisfied as an advisor that you've arrived, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, like undoubtedly you stand by your advice and you honestly believe that you deliver a great outcome, but you're always looking at things that you can improve. And so what's kind of interesting is I'm seeing this increase in skill and increase in desire to improve and to add more value, which is sort of, in a lot of ways, the opposite of relying on tech to do it. Right. So advisors, because we love that face to face, um, that human touch, as you mentioned before, that the human side of money, like because advisors have a natural affinity for that, we're always just interested in how can we do better and how can we provide more. And, and uh, it, this whole idea of running in the direction of high touch seems to be the, um, the, overri- the, uh, the overriding agenda. But then you've got this other concept of tech. And I guess then the question becomes, is it possible to get the parts that we as advisors love, scaled out to as many people as possible. That kind of becomes the question. And then realistically, the the sort of the sub question of that is, are you in the business to make as much money as possible? Or are you in the business to enjoy it and to deliver as much value as possible? Or is it a combination, right? And so there's all these sort of competing questions and directions, but have you or, or do you, Use any technology to help make your advice delivery, any part of it, easier? Is
1: that something that you do already? Look, I think that's probably where our, us as a firm are at right now. So, helping technology deliver that is probably what we're reviewing right now. You know, everyone's sort of moved, the technology's had a beat up in the last little yeah, while. <laughs> yeah. But I think there seems to be a big transition between maybe the old way of doing things and a newer way to do things. And that transition is difficult in a practical sense, yeah, in in our office. So I think you're right, the hum that human touch, high touch is definitely happening more and more, that scaled advice on demand as opposed to just seeing once a year and doing that review. There's definitely change and I can see we've got a new, well, not so new, but advisor who's been with us for a bit over a year and he's been practising for a little while, but they they have such a different view and that, that has helped change the service, the way we're providing service, but also being part of the XY community, because I'm in a regional area where there's only a few planners in town, so it's probably more competitive than collaborative, sadly. And being part of XY and seeing people's stories and sharing ideas has given me a bit of confidence to change the way we're doing things a little bit. And technology is the next step for us to be able to automate some of those processes without sacrificing that face to face or the high touch or you know client contact. But it seems to be a competing, like you said, it's competing priorities all the time between the commercial nature, the the wanting to do the best for the clients and fitting all that in. Yeah a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't yeah, it, found the perfect answer yet. So <laughs> No, and
0: that's why I'm asking to, because I always like to try and get as good of a grasp of where each advisor is at, because there's no, yeah, there's no sort of like silver bullet with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty well known. Um, Although I know a lot of people are out there giving it their best shot. You've got companies like say My Prosperity who have done, you know, have been well known in this space for for a fair while, certainly since x y 's been around uh, in terms of being able to track cash flow and then bringing property into the conversation mm. and then sort of recently that they 've created this sort of onboarding tool a digital fact find if you want to call yeah. it that
1: so that 's actually where we 've just started to move to so we 've been quite a traditional planning practice and but we have a big account a big accounting team as well and really my passion is I want to get to know these people earlier and have that relationship and journey through their whole experience and so we were struggling with engaging them earlier and my prosperity is something that we've just started to use and it's providing a space to engage younger people or not necessarily those retirees, sometimes the retirees, but earlier in their life journey and help them through all those transitions. So at the moment we've probably got two service offerings, one that more traditional style and one that we're building at the moment. And it, it is definitely gaining traction it's very exciting to be able to offer, yeah, your cash flow services and some of those Things that clients want help with right now, today, not twenty years down the track. <laughs> yes. So yeah, it's we're experiencing some growth and change and transition right now.
0: Yeah, that's super interesting. It's very interesting actually that you mentioned uh, that you've started using my prosperity. I sort of just plucked that out of uh, out of the list. Oh, you must
1: have known.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Peter McCarthy he's a very good guy. He's been working on it for a long time, and um, it's super interesting to see what tech can do because you do want to use it, right? Because if you can solve an annoying part of the of the mm-hmm. advice process and turn it into an enjoyable part for the client, I mean, that's just a win, right? Yeah. But then you 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 do really want to keep that face to face because, as advisors, I mean, like probably the most uh scalable type of advice would be just to record i don't know a thousand videos of yourself and then as the client went through and you know it's it's it answered a bunch of questions and then the advice document was created and then you know the the algorithm in the background would piece together all the videos (laughs) Right, that you needed to say to the particular client, you know, like like technically, there's a probably a tech solution out there that could that could you know uh, automate the entire process. But then realistically, how much fun is that going to be for the for the advisor? Yeah, that's right. And so it's kind of it's kind of you know efficiencies and effectiveness, big fan. Um, But uh, yeah, you you never really want to do yourself not so much do yourself out of a job. Because I, I don't believe, I think money's too important to automate anyway.
1: Yeah, um, I agree. Uh, so I, I guess the main aim is to make sure they're understanding it. So if te- technology helps with that, I'm all for it. But when it becomes difficult for them to, to use or they don't understand it, or oh, that's not the goal.
0: Yeah, 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 precisely. Um, so your client, you you mentioned that you, uh, work in, in a remote area. Whereabouts is that?
1: Oh, I'm in Gippsland. So about two and a half, three hours outside of Melbourne city.
0: Interesting. Interesting. And, uh, what, what does an average portfolio look like? Do you deal with much property or is it mostly managed funds or shares or what, what's the kind of, what's your average sort of makeup?
1: mainly direct shares so um like I said we work quite a bit with high net worth and and self-managed super funds which is usually direct investments mainly shares so but we run our own investment committee and um, yeah it's a good process and we have lots of success and very happy clients so yeah that's a, what my normal client would look like but like I said, we've started to see younger clients who are looking to build wealth. So in my area, we have a lot of farming industry. So we're seeing a lot of farmers and they are looking to build the newer, younger farmers are looking to diversify. So build off farm wealth. And that's um, become quite a focus.
0: That's great. Um, And so it sounds like you've got you're really clear on your uh, on your client, what their portfolio is, who th- who they are, what they look like. Um, before you'd started your thirty day challenge experience, right? With what was the main acquisition method prior? Was it simply the accountants would just do sort of a warm introduction, or um, was there any other strategies, or how would you traditionally acquire new clients?
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, mostly referrals from the the accountants. Like I said, we have a big agricultural team of accountants and a business team and a bookkeeping team. So there was a lot of in-house referrals. Uh, For me, though, I also get a lot of clients referring to me for particularly around uh, older women perhaps who have gone through a divorce or on their own um, or widowed, lost their husband's and looking for that that trusted relationship to start. Maybe they haven't been involved in their finances very much. So to, to learn and to start their new solo journey in setting themselves up and moving forward.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. I'm excited to, to sort of see where this new experience takes you in your, um, I mean, you've been an advisor for a long time already, but, to sort of, I guess, the next stage of uh, getting your message out to as many people as possible. You know what your ideal client looks like. Just off the top of my head, imagine if your accountants simply just introduced uh, you to all of their clients on LinkedIn, you know, and then you're just on there posting, and then everyone's, yeah. oh my goodness it's uh it sounds like you're in a good situation, and I just wanted to congratulate you on um on on your courage, I guess because I know what it's like to to sort of put yourself out there and you went from not even having a picture on your LinkedIn and having one or two connections and now you're you're killing it you're a star so uh so thank you so much for coming on. Hopefully your experience will give other advisors um the confidence to to put themselves out there as well so yeah thank you so much for contributing
1: oh thanks for having me clayton uh this is one more of those experiences out of my comfort zone and i've survived
0: <laughs> more than survived flourish <laughs> all right well, enjoy the rest of your day
1: thanks see you later okay.
0: bye